Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au And uh, so good to be in church this morning. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me uh, to Matthew chapter 1. I'd like to just share a few thoughts. from this passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 1. Uh, reading from verse 18. The Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take, uh, to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit that is here with us today. And I just pray that even as uh, I share these thoughts over the next few minutes, I pray that these thoughts would become a revelation of the Holy Spirit. Let there be a spirit of wisdom and revelation, even as I share. Bind every fear and intimidation in Jesus' name. Just let there be freedom to receive your word, to hear your word, to speak your word. Father, I just thank you that uh, this word is going to be deposited in our hearts and it's going to make a difference in our lives today. This is our prayer. We bind every work of the enemy in Jesus' name. Be glorified today in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, it's great to be in church on this special day as we worship Jesus, our Savior. A special welcome uh, to all of our guests uh, that are with us here today that are visiting on this Christmas Day service. In the Bible, Jesus is referred to by many names. He's the Alpha and Omega, uh, the Mighty God, the Light of the World, the Prince of Peace. And He's referred to throughout every book of the Bible with different names. Each name gives us some insight into the character of Jesus who Jesus was and why He came. And more importantly, each name helps us understand what Jesus wants to do in our lives today. He wasn't just randomly given these names. These names had purpose. There was a reason why He was given these names. Now today, when we name our children, we kind of name them with the most popular names or we try to pick the worst or the most difficult name to pronounce and that's what we name our children. Uh, but back in those days, they didn't do that. And Jesus was not randomly given some names. He was given some names for a reason, to describe his character, describe his nature, nature why, why he came, and above all else, what he wants to do in our lives today. And so what I'd like to do today is focus on one of the names that Jesus is referred by. We read it in our text. Matthew makes reference to a prophecy from Isaiah that was given many hundreds of years before Jesus came. He says, The virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel which means God with us. 
that one of the names that Jesus would be referred to is the name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now, God was physically present uh, with the people of Israel over 2,000 years ago. He was with them. He literally, physically walked with the people of Israel some 2,000 years ago, and He spoke with them. But the name Emmanuel doesn't just mean that God was physically present some 2,000 years ago. What the name means is that God wants to be present in our lives, in our circumstances, in our challenges today. And I pray this Christmas that we're going to get a revelation of who Jesus is. Because that's what Christmas is all about. Can I hear an amen? It's really about Jesus. When we speak about the spirit of Christmas, we're speaking about Jesus Christ, our Lord. We're speaking about our Saviour. And I I pray this Christmas that we would get a fresh revelation of who Jesus is. That he's not just a baby in a manger. That he's not just some historical figure. He's not just a religious leader. A man that is dead on a cross somewhere. But that we would get a revelation that God is with us today. And that he wants to be present in our lives no matter what we're going through. He wants to be present in what we're going through in our lives today. Bible says... Uh, In Psalms, David says this, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. He's always present. No matter what we're going through, He's there with us, guiding us and leading us through. So as we look at the Bible, it shows us that there are at least three times that God is with us, that God is near. And I pray uh, that these thoughts would speak to us today. So firstly, God is with us in the valley. Number one, God is with us. In the valley. When the Bible speaks of valleys, it's not speaking about good places. It's usually speaking about challenges and difficulties and dark places. Um, it's where battles were fought. A lot of the battles were actually fought in the valleys because it was easier to attack an enemy as they were passing through a valley. Anytime you'd see a valley in the Bible, it was always dangerous. It was always difficult. And the Bible tells us, listen really carefully, the Bible tells us that even as we go through the valleys of our own lives, that God is with us even as we go through that. Notice what Psalm 84 says, blessed are those whose strength is in you. Uh, The word blessed is the word happy. It says, happy are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. The name Baca was almost uh, most probably related to a tree that would ooze out sap. Uh, it looked like a tree that was weeping. And so what the psalmist is saying is, blessed is the person whose strength is in God. But blessed, blessed is the person who's actually, who's actually decided, you know, that, that God is going to be my strength. That when they pass through that season of weeping, when they pass through that season of the valley, what happens is they actually turn it into a place of springs. They, they, they turn it into a place of blessing. Notice what the text doesn't say. It, it doesn't say, blessed are those who are motivated. Blessed are those who are independent, strong, have it all together. It says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, God. When they pass through the valley of weeping. When they pass through that season, that challenging season in their life, they don't pass that season like everybody else passes through those ceilings. They they turn it into a place of springs. And the reason why that happens is because God is with them. All of us are going to go through valley seasons in our life. Times when we find ourselves going through challenges, difficulties, dark places. For some people, Christmas is not a time of joy. It's actually a reminder of who's not there today. 
It's a challenging time. And all of us will go through those valley seasons in our lives. Times when we're fighting some battles that don't seem to make any sense whatsoever. And when we go through those seasons, we can either go in our own strength, we can try and fight it out, or we can turn to God and allow Him to guide us through the valley. Psalm 23 says this, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God is with me. It's in the valley that we discover that God is with us. He doesn't abandon us. He walks us through those difficult seasons. There might be some of you going through a valley season right now. Some of you are saying, I just want to get out of here as quick as possible. I know that I've been through a few valley seasons in my own life. And and whenever I went through those seasons, I just said, Lord, I, I just want to get out of here as quickly as I can. God, promised, God never promised that we would not go through those challenging seasons. But God always promised that he would be with us, guiding us, protecting us, walking with us, helping us, guiding us through to get to the other side of the valley. Isaiah says, listen, this Jesus, he's going to come. It's going to be in a few hundred years time from now. This Jesus, he's going to come. One of the names he's going to have, he's going to, he's going to be called Emmanuel which means that God is with us, which means that even when we're going through the darkest valley, when we're going through those difficult seasons in our life, we're not going through those seasons by ourselves. He is with us, guiding and leading us, even through those challenging times. God is also with us in the wilderness. Wilderness represents those times in our life where it's dry, we feel all alone, we have nowhere to turn, we're wondering, you know, we're wondering, how did I get there? It's a dry season in our life. It's a season where you feel like you're by yourself. You're wondering, where is everybody? You know, we live in a society that is completely alone. Loneliness is one of the the, the great illnesses of our society today, where people have so many friends on, on social media, but no real friends. And many times in life, we end up in a wilderness, a season in our life where we just, we just, it just feels, there's a sense of hopelessness about our future. And many times we go through a wilderness season after we've been through a mountaintop experience. We go from a, from a high to a, to a really deep low. It's a great example of this in Scripture in, in the life of Elijah. Elijah was a great man of God. God had used him in a powerful way. He prayed and it stopped raining. He healed the sick, raised the dead. One time he's in the desert and ravens are, are feeding him. And he was being used by God in a, in, a, in a mighty way. On one occasion, there's this contest between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Um, they set up a sacrifice and they're going to pray for fire to come down from heaven. Some of you uh, that have been in church, you know the story. And, and so, uh, first of all, the prophets of Baal are praying that fire, that Baal, the great God Baal, is going to send fire from heaven. And they pray most of the day. Nothing happens. Elijah prays a simple prayer, the power of prayer, the simple prayer of a, a few words. And as Elijah prays, Fire comes down from heaven, and the prophets of Baal were destroyed. Now, uh, there was a king and a queen uh, back in that time, um, uh, and Jezebel was the king's wife, Ahab the king. Um, and this uh, Jezebel, she was a nasty piece of work. And uh, she says, uh, by tomorrow, uh, Elijah is going to be dead. So Elijah found, finds out that, uh, that uh, she's after him. And I think if Ahab was after him, it wouldn't have been a problem, but it's Jezebel. So, you know, the um, Bible says the fear of man is a snare. 
It doesn't say the fear of woman, though. You know what I'm saying? So Je- Jezebel is after him. That was a joke. Uh, that, so uh, Je- Jezebel's after him. He finds out and he runs for his life. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says, When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. That's an incredible passage of scripture right there. Here's this man of God. Here's this, here's this person who has seen God do incredible things in his life. Mighty things. I mean, he's risen people from the dead. He's just prayed a simple prayer. Fires come down from heaven. A few days later, he's praying that God would take his life. Elijah's scared. He's alone and he's, he's praying that he might die. Notice what he says. I've had enough, Lord. I've had enough, Lord. Anyone ever got to a point in your life where you said, I've, I've had enough, Lord. I just can't take any more. You've given your best. You've tried hard. You've tried to do the right thing. And, and it still feels like it's not enough. You've said, I had enough, Lord. I don't have the strength to keep on going. I, I love the way God restores Elijah. I just love that story. And um, the Bible says that an angel appears to him. And uh, the angel places some food before him and, uh, and tells him, eat and drink. I love that because what I would have expected an angel to do or God to send an angel and I, I would have expected God to rebuke Elijah, said, Elijah, what are you doing? Where's your faith? Read your Bible, pray fast, do something. That's what I would have expected God to do to Elijah. Sends an angel, has a meal prepared for him and says, eat and drink. Why, 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 did, why did God do that? Because predominantly Elijah was just exhausted. He was exhausted. Sometimes the most spiritual thing that we can do is just rest. Is just rest. We under, uh, underestimate the, the, the effects of stress on, on, on what's happening inside of our emotions. We're running a million, million miles an hour. We've got our to-do lists and we think that we're invincible or powerful. But there's a, there's a point in time where our body says, no more, I can't do this anymore. Body will stop and we need to rest. That's what I love about Jesus. He says, come to me. Just, Jesus says, come to me who are you who are weary and broken and, 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 and I will help you get through that season. Learn from me. Story continues there. He went into a cave and spent the night and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing in a cave, Elijah? The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But listen, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And God says to Elijah, go and stand on the mountain. I'm about to pass by. I'm about to speak to you. And the Bible says that there was this massive wind, a tornado kind of wind, but God was not in the wind. I would have expected him to be in the wind. And then there was this massive earthquake. I would have expected if God was going to speak, you know, because that's my impression of God. If God is going to speak, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting it's going to be grandiose. But the Bible says he wasn't in the earthquake either. And then there was this massive fire that just tore through. But he wasn't in the fire either. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. God wasn't in the remarkable and sensational. He was in the gentle whisper. 
Christian for me is this, why is it that when we're in the wilderness, why is it that when we're going through a difficult time, when we feel like God has abandoned us, because that's exactly how Elijah felt, he felt like God had abandoned him. When God feels a million miles away, why doesn't God shout? Why does He whisper? I would prefer Him to shout in those seasons because I don't know where He is. Instead, it's in those seasons where He whispers. Why does He whisper? He whispers because He is close. You only ever whisper to someone who's really close to you. You don't, you don't whisper to someone who's far away and expect them to hear you. You only ever whisper to someone who's, who's really close to you. You whisper. So often when we're in a difficult time, we're screaming and hollering. I, I am anyway. Any screamers and hollerers in the congregation? Yes, we've got a few. I'm God, where are you? What are you doing? Where are you, God? You're, you're, the, you're the creator of the heaven. Lord, where are you? We're, we're, we're screaming, we're wondering, we're fretting. Where are you, God? And God is saying to us, just be still because I'm right here. Devil shouts his lies, but God whispers because he's near. The devil shouting, where is this God that you serve? Where is this God that you worship? Where, where is this God that you talk about all the time? He shouts those words out. But God whispers because he's near. The Bible says the, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. People that are going through a difficult time inevitably ask the question, why am I going through this? Why did this happen? Where is God? I, I don't know the answer to those questions. Some of you have been through some tragedies and I, I don't know the answer to the question why. What I do know is that the primary purpose of whatever we're going through is to increase our awareness of God. He's whispering. That whatever it is that we're going through, the primary purpose is to bring us closer to God so that we can hear His voice. He whispers because He's near. And what, what, what does He whisper? What does He say? He says, I love you. I'm going to see you through. Don't panic. Trust me. I have a plan for your life. He's saying, I'm right here. If you're in a wilderness today, if you're going through a dry season in your life, I, I want you to remember that God is near. It's not an easy season to get through. I, I, I'm aware of that. I've been through some of those seasons in my own life. I know it's a difficult season and I know that you're fretting and I know that there's this temptation to just do whatever it takes to get out of there. My encouragement to you is just still your spirit because God is near and by His grace and for His glory, He will get you through that season. There's a reason why his name is Emmanuel. There's a, there's a reason why we're going to call him Emmanuel. His name shall be Emmanuel. It's because God is with us whenever we go through a challenging season. I love that David, David said, there's a particular Psalm 124. It says, if the Lord had not been on our side. Let all Israel say, if, if the Lord had not been our, on, on our side, we, we would have been utterly destroyed. And I know that there are many people in this congregation today who would be able to testify to the, to the fact that they've managed to get through one of those difficult seasons because God was near them. Can I hear an amen somewhere in the congregation? Because they managed to hear the small, still voice of the Spirit that in that dark season, in the most difficult time, where it just looked like it was going, where it looked like this one was going to finish you off, 
And somewhere in the midst of all of that, you heard a gentle whisper. And you knew that whisper wasn't coming from your mind. You knew that it wasn't coming from inside of you. You knew that it was the whisper of the Holy Spirit of God speaking to you and saying, I'm going to see you through this situation. So hang in there because we're going to get through this in the name of Jesus. And as you were going through that season, what helped you to just be still in the presence of God was the word from God. He's Emmanuel. He's with us. He's with you this morning. There are some of you going through a wilderness season this morning. I want you to know that God is near, that He loves you, that He has not abandoned you, and that He will see you through. Thirdly, God is with us in the storm. God is with us in the valley. He's with us in the wilderness. He's also with us in the storm. It's a great example of this in Acts 27. Paul is a prisoner on a ship headed for Rome. Uh, They're heading into winter. There was some debate as to whether they should set sail or not. And Paul says, well, we shouldn't do it. They decide to go anyway. The, the, The story's recounted in Acts chapter 27. Listen to what it says. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Looked like everything was going fine. Verse 14 says, But the weather changed abruptly, and a wind of typhoon strength caught a northeaster, burst across the island, and blew us out to sea. Things were looking fine for a while. But then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a storm just came and threatened to take them under. One of the things all of us are going to experience in life is storms. Storms come unexpectedly. They're ferocious and they threaten to take us out. What what makes storms particularly difficult and challenging is we don't know how or when they're going to end. We experience all kinds of storms in our life. There's financial storms, marital storms, vocational storms, health, personal storms. The question is, how do we deal with the storms in our life? How do do we deal with those seasons in our life? The storm seasons. Paul and his men find themselves in a ferocious storm. And listen to what the Bible says. This is verse 20 of chapter 27. It says, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Storm was so dark and so bad, they had given up hope that they were going to get out of this situation. In the midst of the storm, Paul gets up and speaks. And he says, verse 21, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. I love the Apostle Paul. You know, he's, he's straight down the line. He's not very gentle. You know, he's not one of those seeker-sensitive kind of guys. He just says it the way it is. I told you so, was what he's saying. You, you, then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage. Listen carefully. Because not one of you will be lost, only the ship shall be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. What I love about the story is that in the midst of this dark storm, raging sea, hopelessness, that God, that God speaks in the, midst of this, in the midst of this hopeless situation. God speaks to the apostle Paul. And says it's going to be okay. Craig Rochelle says this, listen, never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. And I don't know what you're going through this morning. But I do want you to know that God is near. 
that God wants to speak to you about what you're going through, that God still speaks today. Sometimes it's through a message like this. Sometimes it's through a friend. Sometimes it's as we read the Bible, the, the, the Word of God, the, the Bible says the, the Word of God is living and active. It has the breath of God. This is not just another book that, 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 you know, on your shelf. This is not like any other book. It's as we begin to read the Word. The Word speaks to us. Word of God. And sometimes God speaks by a gentle whisper. And maybe you're in a storm right now and you've given up hope of being saved. Hopelessness. It's what depression is. Depression is about a, a sense of hopelessness. As you look to the future, you just say, there's just no way that I can get out of this situation. Given up hope of being saved. If that's how you're feeling this morning, I want you to know that God has not abandoned you, that God has not forgotten you, that God is nearer than you think, and that if you would just turn to him and reach out to him, he will guide you and lead you. He will see you through that storm because God still speaks today. Mary tells Joseph that she's pregnant. I can ask the musicians to come. Mary tells Joseph that she's pregnant. Joseph's thinking of divorcing her quietly. But during the night, an angel appears to Joseph and reassures him. The angel says, Mary's pregnancy is of the Holy Spirit. And he was to give him the name Jesus because he would save the people from their sins. Matthew, as he's recounting this, then makes reference to a prophecy from Isaiah. Virgin shall conceive and bear a son and, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means that God is with us. What, what does it mean that God is with us? What does it actually mean that God is with us? It means that God is with us in the valleys of life. That all of us are going to go through valleys in our lives, seasons when we're in, a, we're in a place where it just feels like, you know, this is the end. It's a place of darkness, challenges, battles that we're facing and fighting in our lives. He's with us in those times. He's with us in the wilderness. He's with us in those times where we just feel so dry, alone. We're in a, we're in a place where we just, we just say, when is this going to end? He's with us right there, whispering. And he's with us in the storms of life, guiding us and protecting us. I, I, I pray this Christmas that we would get a revelation of who Jesus is. That he's not just a baby in a manger, just a, a historical figure, just someone that we traditionally refer to at this time of the year. But that we would above all else understand he's with us. He's with us. The Bible tells the story of a time when the disciples were uh, in a boat in a storm. Uh, sea was raging all around. And uh, it was a pretty frightening situation for the disciples. The Bible says that Jesus comes to them, but He's walking on the water. And I love the rendition in Mark of this particular passage because it says that Jesus was walking on the water and He was about to pass them by. But as, as he's passing by, the disciples think he's a ghost. They begin to cry out. They recognise it's Jesus. They cry out to him. And as they, do, as they do that, Jesus steps into the boat and he speaks to them. And the Bible says he calmed the waters. You know, we can, we can know intellectually that God is with us. 
we can re- reflect on a message like this or a, a scripture like we read in Matthew. We can, we can reflect on this scripture and say, but it's an interesting scripture. Okay, Jesus is called Emmanuel. He's with us. Okay, I understand all of that. But you know, Jesus is passing by and, and He will continue to pass by. The only thing that's going to make this a reality is if we cry out to Him. How, how does God with us become a reality in our lives? How does God with us become, become real in our own lives and in our own situations? What we need to do is cry out to Him. There was uh, some men in the Bible that, uh, Bartimaeus, uh, and they were blind and, and Jesus was passing by, the Bible says. As Jesus was passing by, they begin to cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy. Jesus is passing by. He's about to pass right by them. And they begin to cry out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And as they, as they cry out to Jesus, the Bible says that He stops. And he, and, he, and he tells Bartimaeus to come forward. He lays hands on them and He was healed immediately. Jesus is passing by. How, how does God with us, Emmanuel, become a reality? Comes a reality as we cry out to Him. Speak to Him. Ask Him to help us and to guide us through. Would you stand with me? Just want every eye closed, every head bowed. I want to be respectful of this time. There might be some people here today, you're going through a challenging time. Maybe as I've been speaking, you're reflecting on the season that you're in right now in your own life. We're going to sing a song in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to pray. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray and believe that God is going to minister to you right where you're at this morning. So I want every eye closed, every head bowed. I'm not going to ask you to do uh, anything other than uh, I'm going to pray and I'm just going to say, uh, if, if you'd like me to pray with you, I just want you to put your hand up and say, Pastor Joe, would, 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 would you pray? Because I'm going through one of those seasons this morning. Would, would you pray for me? So I just want every eye closed, every head bowed. If that's you, just put your hand straight up and put it right back down again. Thank you. Thank you. I see, see some hands. Come on, there's somebody else. Just put your hand. Don't be afraid. Just put it right back down again. Thank you. It's a valley season. It's a wilderness season. It's a storm that you're going through right now. He's saying, I need you, Lord. It's not religion we need. It's not a church we need. What we need is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. He's the one who's going to see us through. He's the one who speaks. He's the one who guides. He's the one who has the ability to change and transform our lives. He's the one we cry out to. We don't cry out to an individual. We cry out to Jesus Christ. And one of the reasons why we cry out to Him, because He's Emmanuel, God with us. People say, well, how can I get to know this God? It's just so simple. It's too simple, but it's just, it's just so simple. It's just a question of, of, of speaking to Him, crying out to Him. That's what prayer is. Prayer is just simply talking to God. And it's not repeating a prayer. It's speaking from your heart. Say, Lord, I'm just going through this season right now and I need You. Would You guide me? Would You help me? Help me to get to know who You are. And as you pray a simple prayer like that, that comes from the depth of your heart, Jesus, who was about to pass by, is going to stop and minister to you. Just one more moment. Is there somebody else? If that's you, you're kind of, yes, I'm going through a season. Just, just, just place your hand right up. There's already quite a few people that have done that. If there's somebody else, just put your hand straight up and right back down again. Thank you, right down there. Is there somebody else? I just want to give people a moment. As Jesus is passing by this morning. And this Christmas is not just going to be another Christmas. 
that this Christmas Day service is not just going to be another Christmas Day service. That Christmas 2019 is going to be a time where we get a revelation of Emmanuel. God is with us in the name of Jesus. And so, Father, I just thank you for this congregation. I thank you for this group of people that have understood something about the importance of this time and the real meaning of Christmas. And Father, you saw the hands that were raised, Lord God. And Father, I just pray that by the Spirit of God that you would draw near to them this morning in Jesus' name. Father, in Jesus' name. Where, Father, Emmanuel would become a revelation and a reality. Not just a reality for 2,000 years ago, but a reality today. In Jesus' name. Father, there were people in the congregation who wanted to put their hand up, but just didn't have the courage to do it. I just pray for them right now. In Jesus' name. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you that you're a God that is ever-present in times of difficulty, Lord God. I thank you that you're always near. Minister by the Holy Spirit, I pray. And I thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's sing together. Chris is going to lead us in a powerful song as we bring this service to a close. Thank you.